if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It is seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock now on this Thursday, the fifth morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord 2020. And we still don't know who the next president of the United States will be. It's getting a little closer to knowing we are getting a little closer and it is probably going to end up at the end of the day with Joe Biden having having stolen the 2020 presidential election with the able assistance of democrats in very important positions in states all across this country and in particular the battleground states democrats in the attorney general's office and the secretary of state's office in pennsylvania democrats in the uh, secretary of state's offices and in all of the elections officials offices in wisconsin and in michigan and perhaps in georgia as well Yes, we are getting closer to President Joe Biden, which brings us even more close to President Kamala Harris when they decide that Joe Biden is what we all know him to be, literally, functionally, incapable of serving as President of the United States. Then the socialist in waiting, Kamala Harris, will take over to begin implementing everything that they have threatened. So that's where we are this morning. And yes, I've got a number of negative items to share with you this morning. A lot of it is going to sound like whining to the left. A lot of it is going to sound like excuse making. A lot of it is going to sound like snowflakery because we're going to cry a little bit here. When I say cry, I don't mean in tears of like total sadness. We're going to cry and moan because we're angry about what happened. And I don't care how they view it, to be quite frank. We are a representative constitutional republic rooted in democracy that's where the name republicans and democrats come from we are a republic and we are rooted in democracy democracy is now dead in the united states of america i i don't want to be guilty of hyperbole and i really don't feel like i ever am but i'm going to say it again i believe democracy has died in the united states of america Democracy relies, gets its breath, gets its lifeblood from a full belief in the fairness of the democratic process. And that means candidates, representatives, 
or party officials from both of the two major parties must be able and allowed to oversee every bit of a transparent electoral process. And sadly, Republicans have been denied that opportunity, that access, which is why the president has filed the lawsuit that he has, particularly in the state of Michigan, probably will be one in Pennsylvania, there better be, as well as in Georgia. But in particular, Michigan, that lawsuit has already been filed. That lawsuit um, is to prove what I just said, that democracy is dead. Detroit area Republican poll watchers were blocked, locked out of the counting rooms, not able to be given what they called meaningful access to make sure they can see that everything is being done on the up and up. Eventually, they were given access to the room, but were kept at such a distance, they needed telephoto lenses to try to see the ballots that were being counted and placed in which bins and which piles, etc. When one party successfully blocks another party from ensuring the validity of an election, the election is indeed invalid. And that is why I am saying, again, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say democracy is dead, depending upon the outcome of the lawsuit. Lawsuits, plural. There are a few that are being filed. But that is one example. Now, the left is going to say, oh, you're crying. You wouldn't be saying this if the shoe was on the other foot. I can tell you with my hand to God, looking at my maker, looking skyward at my maker, If Republicans were literally blocking Democrats from having access to the vote count, I absolutely would be saying the same thing. This cannot happen in a functioning democratic process. It just cannot. You know, there's a a phrase that the Washington Post used when they were responding to President Trump's accusations of the mainstream media being the quote-unquote enemy of the people. They wrote a massive op-ed, and the front page had big, giant font letters that said, Democracy Dies in Darkness. Now, they were full of it because there was no darkness. President Trump wasn't trying to shut down media operations or deny media the opportunity to exist. He was simply complaining and pointing out that when they present half-information, They are doing a disservice to the people. And when they present fake news or only half the story, doing a disservice to the people makes them what? An enemy of the people. They're certainly not a friend of the people. That's not democracy dying in darkness. Democracy dying in darkness, Washington Post and New York Times and the rest of the far left media which wanted you to believe that you shouldn't even have bothered to go to the polls on Tuesday. Democracy dying in the darkness is when you try to... Now I'm not transitioning away from the media to the Democrat Party and to the Democrat election officials. When you try to deny one party meaningful, reasonable, real access to the counting rooms. Because it's not about how many people vote. It's not about who votes. It's about who's counting the votes. That's how elections are won, and that's how elections are decided. So, yes, I'm going to whine, I'm going to moan, I'm going to cry a little bit here in in terms of anger, 
because of, you know, democracy being killed. I think that's a real reason to be upset. I think democracy has been destroyed here in this instance. Um, and I'm going to ask somebody to lift us up a little bit. I'm going to try to do some of that myself. But coming up at 935, we're going to talk to Jack Windsor. Jack Windsor, you know normally as my COVID-19, you know, watchdog. Not mine. He's, uh, he's, he's Ohio's COVID-19 watchdog. Jack has been such a stalwart reporter on everything that Mike DeWine is doing to unconstitutionally uh, restrict our rights here in this country, or in this state, rather. But Jack isn't going to be joining us to talk about uh, the Chinese coronavirus now. He's going to be joining us to talk about what he sees as the upside of what we have learned in the last 48 hours since Election Night Tuesday. He's got some very positive things, and when I read them, I said, Jack, you got to have to tell the audience, because we do need an uplift right now. That's number one. So we'll get that from, um, from Jack Windsor. Then at 1010, we're going to talk to um, uh, Dr. Everett Piper, as we do every Thursday. <clears throat> and we're going to address some of these extraordinarily uh, difficult-to-believe numbers that we are getting. For example, the notion... That the state of uh, of uh, Wisconsin somehow, some way, turned out eighty nine percent of their registered voters to vote in this election. Wisconsin, by the way, which was being won handily on election night by President Trump, and now has been called for Joe Biden in a very close race after thousands upon thousands of Biden only ballots were found. We're supposed to believe that 89% of Wisconsin's turned out to vote in this election. That is more than just a little bit unbelievable. That is, that is impossible, quite frankly. That is impossible. Wisconsin has 3,684,726 active registered voters, according to the reports. They counted 3,288,771 votes. That's 89% turnout. Not possible. It just isn't. Um, so we're, there's so much of this information, <clears throat> excuse me, and when Republicans aren't there and able to verify all of these things, that's why, as I say, democracy dies in darkness. They literally kept the Republicans out of the counting rooms and of, literally also in the dark, in the dark, unable to see the light, unable to see the facts, unable to see things <clears throat> Excuse me, play out. So Jack Windsor is going to give us a little bit of an uplift on that part. And I also am going to try to give you the silver lining in the dark cloud of a potential Joe Biden presidency, particularly a Joe Biden presidency that has been stolen from Donald J. Trump. The flip side or the silver lining or the, uh, you know, whatever you the cushion, if you will, as we land hard is going to be what happened in the... Re- in, see, this is... I'm going I'm to twist myself in a knot here. As I give you the positive, it's going to make you understand even more how terrible and how implausible, if not impossible, the negative was. And this is what I mean. <clears throat> the Republicans were supposed to, according to Nancy Pelosi, take a bath. They were supposed to get smoked. In the House races, Nancy Pelosi predicted an increase in this blue wave of Joe Biden, who was going to win by seven to ten points over Donald Trump because the polling is so accurate. Right. That blue wave was going to lift the already strong Democrat majority in the House 
by 5 to 15 more seats. Instead, in reality, more than 20 Republican women are now headed to the House. And the net gain or loss of House seats is going to be at least plus five for the Republicans, with several races still too close to call. The Republicans completely outperformed their Democrat counterparts in House races. Meanwhile, the Senate, of course, which was already Republican-held, is going to continue to be Republican-held. Now, whether they lose a net seat or gain a net seat or remain at 5347, again, there are some races too close to call. The point is the Democrats cannot catch them. So, now bear with me as, again, I twist myself and perhaps your brain up in a knot here. I give you those pieces of information as positive signs, as silver linings to the dark cloud of a potential Biden presidency, stolen as it will have been. But here's the frustrating part. This is the knot. While we look at that silver lining, we have to recognize how much more unlikely it is that the uh, uh, presidential race is on the up and up. Meaning... If Republicans did so well in so many of these congressional districts and Senates, in the Senate seats in the in these states, if they did so well as to outperform the Democrats there, what we would have to believe, if we believed in a Biden victory, is that Republicans came out for the uh, uh, um, House and Senate candidates and voted R... But then when it came for the, to the presidential spot on the, on the ballot, they voted for Biden, or they didn't vote. In other words, it's impossible, not just implausible. It is impossible, I think, for any rational person to believe that Republicans can sweep a red wave through the country in Senate and House seats, but have all of those Republican voters not check the box for Donald Trump. In Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in North Carolina, in Georgia, in Arizona, in all of these places across the country. There weren't tens of thousands of people waiting in every single city on the Trump tour stop campaign for the candidates for for Congress. They were there for President Trump. And the belief would be when they showed up in their passion and enthusiasm to vote for Donald Trump, they would also then carry the Republican candidates to victory in many of those House and Senate races. But instead, what we are to believe now is that people showed up to vote for the congressional and House can, uh, congressional and Senate candidates and just didn't bother to vote for Trump while they were there. This is why, like I said, it's going to tie me up and it's going to tie you up in knots trying to make sense out of this. But let's talk about it together. There is so much ground to cover here. And quite frankly, with all of the legal challenges, I don't think we're close to this being over yet. No matter how quickly Joe Biden declares victory because the media tells him to. 216-901-0945, the number to get in. 888 Either one of those numbers brings you to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer.
uh, 9.26. I want to get a couple of phone calls in here before the bottom of the hour because we're going to have Jack Windsor coming on. Again, I'm giving you a lot of the negativity. I'm giving you a lot of the complaints that we have, and I'm just scratching the surface barely. But I also want to give you the uplifting side uh, of the news as well as we continue to watch this whole thing play out. So let's bring you onto the into the equation now. We'll go to uh, Navy Man Norm in Strongsville. Navy Man Norm, good to have you, sir. Go right ahead. What's on your mind? Uh, everything's on my mind. First of all, Bob, I want to say uh, keep up the good work. Don't give up the ship because we will prevail. My signs are still in my front yard. My Trump flag is still flying. And if need be, it will be flying on Inauguration Day. But the thing that hurts me the most is where's the news media? Where is the news media? Like you said. Now, Mr. Biden made, made a video where he bragged about having the largest fraud network in place. Now, my question to the Republican Party is this. Why isn't that video being played round the clock, 7 by 24? Very simple. Just keep playing it. Let the, the American people have been cut off from the truth. They have been cut off totally by big tech, by the social media, by the news media. So we have to fight back. And the only way we can get it out is to get these videos out. I have the greatest fraud network in place. Keep playing it so the people see this. The other thing I would do is I would have the president go on national TV and do a straight talk to the American people for 10 minutes or whatever since Twitter keeps blocking him and explain this is why we're fighting in court. This is what the Democrat Party is trying to do. In every one of those major Democratic states, perhaps the only state that isn't is Georgia, that's Republican, and the chicanery and deceit is going on down there as well. But my question is this, and maybe Jack Windsor can answer it. Where is William Barr in the Department of Justice? Where the hell are they? That's a great question. That's that's something that I asked yesterday uh, when I was talking to Peter Kersenow on Even Me and Norman. Let me rest- thank you for the call, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to get a couple of other people in, too, but I'm going to hit your questions real fast. Number one, I don't think the Biden voter fraud thing is going to move anything uh, because I think we have all played clips over and over and over again of this guy saying nonsensible things because he's, well, he's cognitively impaired. Uh, everybody is going to say, and you know as well, full well as I do, they're going to say he meant to say anti. He just he speaks poorly. He cl- he stumbles and stumbles and trips all over himself when he speaks all the time. Uh, so you know he meant to say anti fraud, biggest anti fraud thing, which of course would make more sense. So I don't think it's going to move anything. Number two, the president can't go on national TV; they won't carry him. Only Fox would carry that. Um, and number three, I don't think the president should be the one making the case. I think it should be his attorneys. I think the president needs to send his attorneys who have a just an encyclopedic understanding of the law there to actually uh, explain what happened in Michigan, why they're suing in Pennsylvania, why they're suing in Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera. I want to hear from the legal minds. Otherwise, it'll just look like a whining candidate. So I don't want it to be that way. President Trump deserves better than that, and his legal representation should do exactly what they're paid to do, and that is speak for him in this circumstance. Thank you, Norm. God bless. BJ North Olmstead, let me get you in before the bottom. Go ahead, BJ. We spoke about this a week before the voting started last week, if you recall, Bob, about what the turmoil was going to be coming after. But more importantly, the party that that Joe Biden is representing, has passed an open bill on all kinds of drugs, 
pornography, every every possible evil thing that a Christian society doesn't doesn't want to and should not deal with, they are pursuing. The fact that he received as many votes as he did, to me, is a is a major tragedy or it's a felony. It's one or the other. And I said to you, and I, once I said to you, you were a warrior, you've been a great warrior. I'm so proud of all that you've done and what you've spoken up. But it's going to be the younger generation that's going to have to step up to this. And I feel badly for all the wonderful soldiers that gave up their lives to have to witness this situation. God bless you, and God bless your listeners, and, and you're going to have to be prepared for battle, whether it is an emotional battle or a physical battle. We are in a revolution to save the soul of this country. And well, God I'll tell you what, us. BJ, I agree, with, I agree with almost every word you said. Thank you for the phone call, except for the praise for me. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just doing the little tiny bit that I can. But you're right, we're going to have to be ready for a battle. There's no question about it. The one good thing that we can focus on, and we'll talk to Jack about as well, is even if all is lost in the uh, battle for the White House and it is stolen from us, our firewall remains in place. The Senate controlled by Mitch McConnell is our firewall, and it will stop all of the evil plans that they have laid out uh, that they may pass in the House and and would be waiting for a, for a Joe Biden signature or a Kamala Harris signature, depending on the year. Uh, thank you so much, my friend. We'll get news now. Jack next, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 937, now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I'd like to call this reaction to the presidential election, but we cannot react to it when we do not have a result yet. And quite frankly, as much as the Democrats want Joe Biden and the media want Joe Biden to declare victory and move on by forming his transitional government, um, they cannot. They cannot because uh, of the extraordinary amount of fraud that have been at least alleged, and in some cases already evidenced. Uh, so we are not over. This is not over, not by a long shot. I just saw a tweet from James Woods, the actor. He is one of the most uh, prominent conservatives on Twitter. And by prominent, that means he is both effective and constantly being suspended because they do not like his uh, his common sense and his, um, his logic uh, and his conservative support. But uh, James Woods' account is active at the moment. <clears throat> and last night, He said something that Newt Gingrich retweeted that I saw this morning, and I want to echo this. Dear Mr. President, do not falter, do not tire, do not surrender. History demands you fight for this like the lion that you are. Every vote you fight for represents an American whose forefathers shed blood sometime, somewhere for our great nation. Don't do this for you. Do it for him. I thought so much of that tweet that I went ahead and posted it on my Facebook page, giving, of course, uh, attribution to James Woods. And I know that President Trump is going to do every bit of that. He will not tire. He will not falter. He will not surrender. And he will fight this with every legal recourse that he can. And that's exactly what he should do. All right, let me bring Jack in. As I mentioned uh, in the opening of the show, Jack Windsor is normally... Uh, Ohio's, uh, you know, lion uh, in his own right. Uh, he's our COVID-19 lion. He's the guy who refuses to allow Mike DeWine to skate 
with unconstitutional orders, nonsensible coloring books, calling different counties, uh, you know, in danger and fudging the numbers and so on and so forth. So he's our coronavirus, our China, Chinese coronavirus lion in the state of Ohio. But uh, we're not having Jack on to talk about COVID-19 this morning. We're having Jack <clears throat> to talk about this election because I told you uh, in the open, uh, Jack has been very positive and, in fact, almost an outsized amount of positivity about how this is still going to work out for the president and for all of us in a lot of his uh, Facebook posting. And I said, Jack, we're going to have to talk about this. I want to, if you can be this uplifting online, let's see if you can be this uplifting on air. So Jack Windsor is with us now from WMFD television and from the Ohio star. Hi, Jack. How are you? Hi, Bob. I'm super fantastic. Thank you uh, for choosing me this morning. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Like I said, you know, uh, normally we would talk about COVID-19. I got plenty of things I could ask you about that. But you have been, um, as I said, um, I, I don't want to say uncharacteristically, that's not the right adjective here, but you have been extraordinarily positive in your belief that the chicanery that is being practiced in many of these states is going to be uncovered, the transparency is going to win out, and that President Trump is eventually going to get this thing right and and keep his office. Um, and that's a big generalization, just looking at a ton of your messages. But can you talk about that in some depth here, Jack, and tell me um, you know, where you get the positivity from as a lot of us are hanging our heads in, in frustration? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I just something in me yesterday um, just said, look, uh, relax, uh, you know, watch what's happening. Um, you know, election night, there was a lot of euphoria, and I'll start there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ohio was down 12 points. Biden had a, a gaudy lead in Ohio. And I remember looking at the numbers and going, okay, that's about 2 million, 3 million votes in. Those are all mail-in ballots. So mm-hmm. I expect this to flip, and that's exactly what happened. Now, there was a huge lead. Uh, you know, we saw big leads in Wisconsin and in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. And I had that aha moment where I went, wait a minute. Um, I, I would almost guarantee that those states were, were counting their in-person votes first, and then um, they were going to you know, backfill with these mail-in ballots. And so I knew that it was going to get tight. Um, but you, you look at a couple of things. You, know, you look at what happened in Arizona, and oops, uh, we thought that uh, the, the reporting numbers were much higher than they were. It turns out you know, there's still 470,000 ballots left to count. Now, my understanding is yesterday uh, the president received the exact amount that he would need to stay in the race, but he's going to need 57.6% of that remaining 470,000. Um, and then you look at Michigan. Uh, you know, Michigan overnight had somehow added, I think it was 157,000 votes, some, somewhere along those lines. And they go, I thought oh, I, thought, I, thought I read 130, around 139,000. But nonetheless, the point is, anything, if they had found, if they had found just 139 votes, quite frankly, just randomly, right. all of them for Joe Biden, not one little Biden. Trump one mixed in there, not one of the third party candidates that are on that ballot still. I mean, it would have been weird, let alone 1,390 let alone 139,000. It just it just defies logic and common sense. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, that's exactly right. So you look at that and you go, okay, that takes off uh, a, a ton, and it puts uh, you know Donald Trump right back in in the race. And depending on where you look, um, you know the Secretary of State site, he had a, still had a significant lead. 
as of late last night. But my understanding is, as you get into the counties and look at the, uh, the counts, um, it's it's going to be razor thin, probably too close to call. But I, I just I just anticipate. So you know, even if even if um, he loses Michigan, which I'm not certain that he will, he's going to win Pennsylvania. Um, he's demanding a recount in in Wisconsin. Um, but frankly. His path. Hold on right a second, Jack. Is. Hold on a second. Hold on a second, Jack. Um, I want to believe what you just said. You said he's going to win Pennsylvania. You said that with some authority. Um, I don't have that yeah. faith. I, the, the Philadelphia machine, They. we know what happened. The state of Pennsylvania um, said that they will count every mail-in ballot, whether it has a definable postmark on it of before the election or not. They will assume that they were turned in ahead of time, and they will count all of them, which gives them a blank check to keep filling out mail-in ballots, scribbling a signature, which may or may not be legible, and and, and packing them into tubs and saying, oh, we found some more. I, I and you know what happened? They went to the the Republicans went to the Supreme Court to stop this, but it was four to four because we didn't have Amy Coney Barrett seated then, and so it went back to the Pennsylvania law. So, I, I, why why are you so confident, and so authoritative when you say he's going to win Pennsylvania? I, I wish I could tell you. I, I don't know. I, I just um, I think the lead there is is big enough, and I think um, I, I think the scrutiny is. Um, is going to be difficult. Um, you know, I, I, do I think that there is um, fraud going on? Absolutely, particularly in the in the Philadelphia area. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But even if the call goes for, for Joe Biden, look, these are going to get contested. And um, I just, I really believe he's going to take Pennsylvania, and I think he's going to take Georgia and North Carolina. And uh, if that's the path, then he needs Nevada to flip. Um, which we'll find out more today. I think he's down seven or 8,000 votes there, um, and they're processing all mail-in ballots now, uh, and provisional ballots, I understand. So it might be a little steeper hill there, um, but that's the path. I think it's I think it's Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, and Nevada, or Arizona. Um, and I don't even I, I don't even concede that Michigan is a, is a win for Biden, but we'll see. Jack, um, I don't want to define you or label you um, as a conservative, because you are a journalist, and I think you're a damn good one, and I think part of your appeal is your objectivity. But you seem to be, especially since you are kind of, you know, being optimistic here for the president, a little bit right of center. Uh, and again, you don't have to accept that label. It's just an observation by me. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, as such, I'm interested in your view of Fox News, because... I watched most of the coverage on election night on Fox News while listening to the Salem radio side and listening to Hugh Hewitt and Ed Morrissey and Dennis Prager and his team breaking all this down. But what do you make, especially if you are right of center, Jack Windsor, of Fox News calling Arizona for Biden after like 10 minutes after the polls closed? Long before they would call Florida and a Trump five point lead for for Trump, long before they would call uh, um uh, other states in which Trump had massive leads uh, before they would make those calls, and those polls closed on the East Coast, of course, far yep. you know, long before the polls closed in Arizona, and they automatically made a call for Joe Biden in Arizona before anything was even close to being finished in that state. And I guess I'm just wondering, is there any television media that we can count on to be real and, and objective in this whole thing if we can't even count on Fox? No. I, that, it was embarrassing, and I've said for a while that 
you know, <laughs> it's the law of contrast, right? Uh, if you make it look like uh, there is an outlet that is, is to the right, then you, it appear that you're providing some balance. Um, but it was irresponsible. It was extremely irresponsible. Um, I tried to watch some of the coverage, uh, you know, flipping back and forth between there and ABC and, and CNN. Uh, I just, I can't do it. I, I can't stomach it. Um, it. It's just, to me, um, most most mainstream media outlets, and I know this is going to sound so stereotypical and, you know, everybody's already beaten this drum, uh, but it's just, it's awful to watch um, election returns and to, to almost know before they say what they say, what they're going to say. Um, look, these, these organizations um, are run by people with an agenda, and it is blatantly obvious. Uh, the New York Times, for example, not, not broadcast, but, you know, print, uh, they, they, printed, or they tweeted something on, uh, on Tuesday at about 4 o'clock that said, look, our job is to call the election. That's what the, that's what the media does. And uh, they received a ton of backlash, so they took, they took the tweet down. But the reality is that's what they think. Um, broadcast, uh, print media folks, they stand on the hilltop and they point down at you. And they say, this is what you need to think. This is what is going to happen. And it's out of control. Um, it's not a free press. It's a propaganda press. Uh, and it needs to stop. The way that this election was covered, every, I mean, from, from the polls all yeah. the way to how people talked about it as it was unfolding, um, is almost criminal. It's it's embarrassing uh, it, to be a part of it um, because I consider myself to be you know part of that group, uh, the free press. Um, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, their behavior was, you know, certainly unethical uh, and, and borderline criminal. Because you know, Jack and I talked about this on this program, and I'm not alone in this. I'm not claiming you know insight here that other people don't have, but. It can be very defeating and very deflating to a Trump voter to hear your guy has no chance. Your guy is down seven to, three days before the election. The Washington Post pu- uh, published their survey of Wisconsin voters, and it was 57 to 40. Biden by 17 points three days before the election. That right. kind of stuff can deflate dispirit and 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 essentially take voters out of play because why i see the lines are, are two and a half hours long somebody went this morning it was two and a half hours it's even longer now should i go and wait in line for a guy who's getting beaten by 17 points or by seven points or whatever I, I, it's not just that the polls are bad and wrong and their methodology is crap it's that the media so gleefully published them in the interest of deflating and dispiriting and trying to suppress Trump votes. Correct. Correct. And it's, it's just, it's maddening, um, to your point. Um, it, it, when, if one outlet does it, then you go, huh, you know, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way that influence works, when you have multiple outlets saying, yeah, he's up 17 or he's up 12 or, you know, he's going to take the overall election probably by 10 points or eight points. Um, it is, it, it does absolutely shape perception. Um, and it, it, now, do I think it took a ton of votes away from Trump? I, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to tell. We'll never know that. That's an unknowable thing. Um, but it is, uh, it's, it's sickening to watch, uh, and they are gleeful. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's really challenging to watch, um, on, on the, I'm going to go down this road and probably get in trouble for it. Uh, but 
you know, the Secretary of State, or Secretary of State, uh, the Lieutenant Governor uh, tweeted on, on Tuesday. He said, you know, I've got, I have friends. Uh, both reached out, one is supporting Trump, one is supporting Biden, and they both said that, you know, it, this this election is going to determine our future, and, I, you know, it's going to be awful if my person doesn't win. And, you know, he said, you know, as long as we love each other, uh, you know, we're going to be okay. And, you know, I look at that and I go, you were elected to be a conservative. You were elected to understand the thrust of what's going on here. And, um, you know, that that's the part that's unnerving, too. But, you know, Trump won by eight points in Ohio, so maybe, you know, he's not a deterrent. But something about that doesn't sit well with me as a conservative. I mean, when Joe Biden says, hey, you know, one of the first things I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to make sure that uh, kids, eight years old, ten years old, um, can make a decision about their sexuality and their gender. That's a problem. And the fact that uh, a conservative can't stand up and say, you know what, we might be going to hell in a handbasket if we have a leader who thinks that kids at eight years old or ten years old who are just learning how to read <laughs> and learning how to do math are going to make decisions for the rest of their lives. And, and I think that we fail to understand uh, what kind of trouble we could be in uh, when you put someone in that position of leadership who obviously doesn't value uh, children uh, and is, is pro-abortion. Um, it, it just it's, it's odd to me that a conservative would stand up and just say, you know what, it's all going to be okay. Um, I don't know if that bothers you. Yeah, no, it does. It bothers me, and I'm also amazed that President Trump was so strong in Ohio, winning Ohio by eight points, despite not having any kind of effort whatsoever being put forth by the state's Republican governor and lieutenant governor on his behalf. I mean, very, very underwhelming statements about, I think he'll win, it'll be closed, blah, 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 for Mike DeWine. They did nothing to advance the cause of the Trump campaign in the state of Ohio, and yet he carried Ohio strong by eight points anyway, and I think that's an amazing thing. Jack Windsor, um... Keep up your optimism. If it's genuine, don't do it just for our sake. Uh, but literally, if it's genuine and you see these things as you do, and if you talk to sources uh, as you do, and you find good news, find good news, please keep posting it. And by all means, call me back anytime uh, and let us know that because uh, we're all looking for it right now. Hey, amen, Rob. Thank you. I'll keep doing it. And stay positive, man. This country was divinely crafted, and it can be divinely saved. Love that. Love that. What a great way to end the conversation. Thank you, Jack Windsor. All right, 953, uh, let's get more of your calls after this, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 957, let's get a couple of calls in here before the top of the hour. We're going to go to North Ridgeville, and that is where Chuck is hanging out. And Chuck, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for speaking to me. Good morning. Um, you do, yes, sir. Well, I'm just going to take it a task a little bit here. <clears throat> Your firewall okay. theory is a joke. They have brought Chicago thugocracy to D.C. And Robert Fogum years ago wrote a series of books, Everything I Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten. When you don't discipline an evil child, it turns into a monster. Dumb rats have been criminals for decades, and we have done nothing. No one has gone to jail. Now they know they can even, hey, listen, we could, we can do it in Illinois. If Al Franken can do it in Minnesota, we can do it to the whole country. So guess what? We're going to open the borders. We're going to do executive uh, uh, actions, and we're going to bypass Congress. We're going to do any damn thing we want. Now, you've got to get serious about this. This is war. These things are evil, and if people do not go to jail, 
a lot of people are going to die very shortly. We are going to have civil war. There's no law in this country. And it starts with this mask mandate. That idiot, he's going to make a national mandate. They have now elected a demented, diseased corpse as our president. It's like the old Roman so-called republic. You got to get serious. Okay, about this. Let, let me let me respond to some of that, Chuck. Let me respond to some of that. You're right about the Department of Justice, and thanks for the call. Nobody's going to jail, and they should be. Absolutely right. Does that encourage and embolden other criminal actors on the left to do these things? Yes, it does. I do not disagree with you. That is an extraordinary disappointment. But my firewall wasn't the DOJ and holding putting people in jail. My firewall is talking about the Senate. My firewall is Mitch McConnell guiding his Republican majority into stopping all of the Green New Deal stuff that might be proposed by the uh, by the House, stopping any of the keeping Medicare simple legislation proposed by the House. They will stop that. They will be the failsafe. Um, and there is no way uh, that. Um, uh, uh, Joe Biden is going to be able to use an executive order to uh, expand the number of states, to declare D.C. a state, et cetera. All of that was going to require a Senate majority for the Democrats. They don't have it. Joe Biden can't make an executive order and pack the courts. And, of course, he would never do that anyway because that would be solely on him for the history of history to come. He would never do that. No one would. Uh, that would have to be done by uh, the legislature. And because the Senate is indeed Republican-controlled, all of those plans that Chuck Schumer said when, we, when they nominated and approved and confirmed Amy Coney Barrett, he said, everything is on the table if we take back the Senate. Legislative filibuster, gone. Uh, the uh, uh, Packing the courts, we talked about. Statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico and so on and so forth. All of those things that would have changed the future of history to come. And I mean, literally, it's not something we could just undo four years from now. We wouldn't be able to get power back. If the Democrats had won the Senate, Republicans would not be able to get power back, perhaps, ever. We would be doomed to single-party rule for generations to come, if not forever to come. And the fact that we held the Senate is that firewall. Do not despair. I agree with you. Be frustrated with Bill Barr and the DOJ and the Dur John Durham, the uh, special uh, prosecutor. All of those things. Be furious because nobody has been held accountable and nobody went to jail. And will that lead to people dying inevitably? Yes. I'm on your side, man. I'm with you when it comes to the Department of Justice, not enforcing justice. And I'm with you in fr being frustrated that Joe Biden is going to be the president if that's how this whole thing turns out. But do not think all is lost. That firewall in the Senate still exists. We'll be back after the news.